0: ready to get back in and make sure you grab as much coffee and and whatever we have available in there that you need at any point always want to encourage this as well at any point if you need to get up and hit the restroom or just get up to stretch your legs or do whatever uh, feel free to do that we are i don't stand on tradition you don't have to sit there the whole time if you don't feel like it if you need to move around feel free to move around if you need to uh if you need to tweet about your experience or snapchat it or do whatever you as you do feel free to do any of that on your mobile device there is free wi-fi here as well we encourage you to share that uh, we are trying to be very media friendly, and so we want you to do that as well. So just be comfortable in this space, and that's I really want to put that out there. Uh, all right, so where or have you rather have you ever been in or on an ocean? What's the answer? Have you ever been in or on an ocean? Who here? Wow, an equivocal yes. Anybody has not been in or on an ocean? Really? Fantastic. Yeah, that's true. All right, so no, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my wife wishes you had not been on an ocean she could take you to one right awesome well good all right so here we are right the first sunday of 2020 oh it's so interesting i love new beginnings i said last week uh last sunday it was kind of awkward right because it's right after christmas it's not quite new year you're kind of stuck in the middle right it's just weird in between space but here we are First Sunday of 2020, ready to jump in, and I thought, man, what a perfect time to reflect on the past year, or really the past decade, if you're one of those people who who like to go back that far since we're here in 2020, and you can look back over all of the past 10 years, and really start to look ahead to, as to what this year might hold, and I wanted to kind of do that this week before Sunday morning, and so it's been a little crazy around my house. If you know anything about me and my life here lately, uh, you could probably... Empathize with that. Uh, for those of you who haven't or don't know what's been going on, I've, we just had my in-laws leave uh, Saturday. No, Friday. Anyway, they left sometime soon, uh, and they, they got out of here. And they've been here for about a week. And then we have a Chinese exchange student with us for a, for been here for five months, and their friend came for a week and a half too. And so we had 12 people in our house. That's only about 1100 square feet. 13 people. Sorry, uh, this is 1100 square feet. And so we were. Um, very, very uh, comfortable together. And so it, it kind of threw, threw off the routine and the plans and all that. So having said all that, it's been crazy. And so I wanted to reflect on this year that we had and this year coming. And so I finally got to sit down in my office uh, this week, Thursday. And I was like, man, it's so great to kind of get away from, the, from everything. And um, not that I don't love it, but anyway, it's time to get some space. And so I was sitting down at my desk like, oh, good, let me take just a minute and really think about what's happened and what's coming up, and not only for me, but for for my family, for this church, God, what's going to happen this next year, and as I was doing that, and I was looking around my office, just kind of taking things in and taking a deep breath, I looked down on my desk, and as I was looking down, I saw a dead fly on my desk, all right? Now, if you've been around here for any length of time in this church, you know that dead flies are not at all uncommon. You could probably find one at your feet somewhere right now. Just there's some, there seems to be something about this space that attracts flies, and they just naturally eventually die in here. So they, they tend to accumulate, and we do the best we can in cleaning them up so it's not a fly graveyard in here, but it's a losing battle because there's so many. So it wasn't odd that there was a fly on my desk. But what was uh, striking at the time whenever I did that was the irony, right? Because here I am, taking a break, ready to look back at what's happened, ready to look forward to what's ahead, thinking about life. And here I have this dead fly, belly up, looking at me at my desk. And I was like, wow, well, that's something. So let me go and get it cleaned up. That's what I mean, I thought, well, I'll just go get it cleaned up. But then as I was about to get up to go get something to get it off my desk, I was like, wait a minute. Here I am getting ready to think about life with death staring me right in the face. There's something to that. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't random that the fly happened to be there, right there in the middle of my desk. Unavoidable. There was something to that, and so I took him in. I was like, "What? What? What are you telling me? What are you telling me, Lord?" And I thought, my first thought was, "Life short, right?" Now, I looked up because I was curious. The average fly lives 15 to 30 days, which I thought was a lot shorter than that, but apparently it's 15 to 30 days, okay? So, you know, every 30 days or so, you'll find a dead fly if the one's in your house because they just can't live very long. And so I, I, I was thinking, man, that's, that's a pretty short time, and, and thank you that we have a lot longer time than 15 to 30 days, but we really don't have much longer than 15 to 30 days, do we? We may have 70, 80, 90 years, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not that long at all, is it? In the grand scheme of history, it's just a a blip on the map, really, of of the timeline of history. We We can live to a ripe old age. We can accomplish a great many things, but the span of our lives and the achievements in them are just like that fly, just like that. James writes in his letter to the church, he says, our lives are like a vapor. They're here for a little while, and it slips away, much like a morning fog, right? Now, I don't say all that to depress you. It didn't even depress me at the moment, although when I wrote it out, I think, man, that's pretty sad, <laughs> right? Here we, we're here for a minute, gone the next. That's terrible. So, but it, it made me think. It made me think of the immediacy of life. It made me think of, to hopefully help us remind me and help us remind all of us here this morning that life is short. So what are we doing with the time that we have allotted? What are we doing with it? What have we spent our lives on up to this point? I say it all the time because it's so true that life is a journey. And I encourage all of us every day, not just one day, but to always look back and to think about how far that you've come, what you've done, what you've done with the time that you've had so far. Think about the regrets that you probably carry. Look at the scars that you've gotten over these past few years. Think about where the journey has brought us to. But remember As we did this journey of faith a couple of weeks ago, we read all that stuff out of the past year, and I encourage you to look at that today and to remember. But to remember that all these things we've been through this year, this decade, this lifetime, have brought us to this moment right here, right now. Now, what are we going to do with the time that we have left? Because the journey isn't over yet, is it? What will we do in the journey that we have ahead? To help us kind of make that decision, to answer that question, to dive deeper into that this morning, we're going to look at Matthew, which is above my head Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, as we look into the life of Jesus and those that followed him and why and how they were in the middle of an existential crisis as well. What we find here before we jump into the verses is that the disciples and Jesus were uh, just wrapping up this big, huge event, right? Where they had over 10,000 people gathered, and they were feeding them, and they were teaching them, and they were trying to, to uh, gather them up and, and make sure they sent them off to their homes and everybody was safe and good. And so uh, they were all doing that. The day was getting late. All right, the day was getting late, and Jesus said, we got other things to do. You need to go over to the other side of this big inland sea, this giant lake, and you need to go over to the other side, you need to go to this next town that we're supposed to be at. So he sends him ahead, and he says, I'll join you later. Okay, so he sends him ahead, he disperses the crowd, and then he goes up to a mountain to pray all alone. He says, I'll catch up to you later. And that is where we join the narrative here in verse 22. Are you reading along? Yes, we are. Here we go. It says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So, the twelve disciples, right? Twelve guys. They get into a boat. They're rowing out for nearly two to three miles in the middle of the night, and they get caught in a storm in the middle of this giant inland sea. They can't make it to where they're supposed to be, which is about five or six miles. They can't go back. They're stuck in the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm. And the worst part about the whole thing was they didn't even have Jesus with them. they have been through this before. they have been through the storm in the middle of the night, and they have been in a boat, and that last time they had Jesus with them, and they just said, Hey, Jesus, there's a big storm going on. And he woke up, and boom, it was finished. And that was great. But this time, he's not there. They're all alone. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where this seems painfully close to reality. Now, I don't mean literally being on a boat in an ocean caught in a storm. I don't know if you've ever done that. I hope you haven't. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've experienced that. I hope that's not literal. But seemingly all alone in the middle of life, right? In the middle of a life crisis, in the middle of a journey where you, don't, you can't make it to where you're supposed to be, and you can't go back to where you were before, and things are getting a little crazy, and now you've got to fix it. Now something's got to change, because if it doesn't, you're going to sink, You may be a little bit above water, but maybe you can't see your way out, and you know that if something doesn't change, everything's going to fall apart. We all go through that. We all go through that. We're stuck. Maybe you actually have somebody rooting against you. You ever feel that way? you like, man, life's going crazy, and then all these people around me that, that have been after me for a long time, they don't like me, they want to, they're ready to see me fall on my face. They're ready to see me fail. They're ready to point and say, I I told you so, right? And you feel like everything's against you and you're not even sure there's anyone there who wants to help you. You're not even sure if God is there anymore, right? Maybe he's off somewhere, somewhere very far away. Maybe he doesn't even exist. Maybe that's part of your journey this past year. Maybe the past few years have felt that way for you simply struggling to keep your head above water, not even sure if there is a God, much less if he actually cares enough to come and rescue you from the bad things you're going through. And you're just waiting for an end that never quite seems to come. The disciples battled that storm for a long time. They battled it like nine hours in the dark. Can you imagine that? Nine hours on a boat battling wind and waves. It's a long, long time. But though they were in the worst of situations, their journey wasn't over. We see in the next verse in verse 25, he says, In the fourth watch, sometime between three and six in the morning, Jesus showed up. So let's read this together. It says, In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take card it is I do not be afraid. Now these verses always make me smile and make me chuckle a little bit when I read these because I can just picture this scene in my head. I don't know if you can, but I can, right? So we got to remember, set the scene here. we got 12 guys in a boat in the middle of this ocean, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, and they're terrified, right? They're, they're freaked out because they don't know if they're going to make it. Any moment the boat could tip over, any moment it could get filled up, and they didn't have any way out, they were going to be stuck in the middle of the sea, and they're going to drown, right? So I can picture this, 12 tough guys. Now, some of these guys were fishermen. These aren't just people who just happen to jump in a boat and kind of think they know what they're doing. These are people who have been on an ocean before, right? They've, they've dealt with these problems before. But even here in this moment, they're not quite sure they're going to make it out. So I can imagine their mindset. I can imagine their, their mental state as they're in the middle of this mess. And I'm sure some of them are thinking this might be it, right? This is it. We're going to die tonight. It's over. You know, I'm glad we had a good run, but we're going to go down together, right? So I can imagine that they're just trying to survive. And then I could see as they're in this middle of this place at three in the morning, four in the morning, five in the morning, as the night drags on, and thinking, "Man, is daylight ever going to show up? Is the storm ever going to get over?" And they're thinking this, and all of a sudden, one of them looks out and says, "Hey, wait a minute. What what is that? What is what, did, what do you see over there? Hey, hey, look here. Come look look with me. What is that you see over there? Did you see what I see?" And the other guy says, yeah, I see that. I say, what is that? You know, it's too, too, too small to be a, a boat. It's too big to be a fish. What in the world could be out on the ocean in the middle of the storm in the middle of the night, out here with nothing but himself? Who or what could that be? And the guy that's standing next to him that he asked thinks the only logical thing that's possible, oh, that's, that's totally a ghost. <laughs> that's got to be a ghost, right? And they begin to freak out because who wouldn't? Right? If you imagine this, imagine you think you're going to die. There's wind and waves and storms and everything's crashing against you and all of a sudden this figure's walking on the water. That's freaky. All right? That's okay. It's it's freaky. you can smile when you think about it. I laughed my head off when I was reading this earlier this week. So as I was thinking of these guys and they see this ghost and ah, oh, it's a ghost and they're freaking out and they're banging into each other and things are going crazy and they're probably just trying to keep each other on the boat but they don't want to jump into the water but they don't want to be attacked by this ghost that's coming and they're just crazyville, right? between the storm and a ghost. And this is a sign, one of the many signs that, that Jesus was God, right? Because he didn't do what I would do. He didn't do what I would do in this moment. Because if it was me that I was able to walk up on somebody in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a boat, in the crazy field, Walt's shaking his head because he knows, right? If it was me walking up on that, I would totally be like, ooh, right? <laughs> I would totally be messing with him. Oh, I'd be messing with him. Because why wouldn't he, right? You know? But Jesus isn't me. Surprise, surprise. I'm not anywhere close to as good as he was. So he wasn't going to do that to him. He wasn't going to mess with him. He could have got him going, but he didn't. He was a lot better than I was. He doesn't mess with him. He corrects him. And that's when it gets a little bit serious. He says uh, two very important things here in verse 27. Instead of saying, ooh, which he could have been funny, uh, he doesn't. He says what? He says, it is I, one thing he says, and second thing is do not be afraid. Now, on the surface, when you read that, it seems like Jesus is merely trying just to calm everybody down, right? You think, oh, okay, this makes sense. They're crazy. They're panicking. They're bumping into each other. Somebody's going to get hurt or die if he doesn't say something because they're just paranoid, delusional people out there on this ocean. And so he's saying, oh, oh, calm down for a minute, all right? Take it down a notch. It's okay. But he's actually saying a lot more than that, a whole lot more. It is I in the Greek is ego a me, literally meaning I am. Now, that may sound familiar. I hope it does. If not, you can go read in Exodus where I am is the one who speaks out of the burning bush to Moses. I am is the name that he gives to Moses to tell the people that he is coming to rescue them from slavery. The same God that spoke to Moses, that delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt by bringing them through the water, was walking on the water to save those men caught in that storm that night. He's not just saying, Hey, it's me, it's Jesus. He's saying, no, it is I am who I am stepping into your situation right here, right now. He also says, do not be afraid. Anytime God was revealing himself to humanity, over and over and over again, you read in scripture, he would comfort them. He was saying, wait a minute, don't be afraid. I am here for you. We just read it in Psalm this morning. Fear not. You'd read over and over and over again. It was a common expression that he would give to his people, not just to provide reassurance, not just saying, hey, don't be scared, but fear not. It was a way to not only reassure, but redirect their attention away from the things that seem to be powerful to the one true power. To redirect them away from the things that seem to be too big for them to handle, to point them to the one who handles it all. I am, do not be afraid, fear not. So, by words and by deed, by walking on the surface of the water, Jesus was telling them, He was showing them He was much more than just a good teacher, He was much more than even the Messiah, which which was enough. He was much more than a creature, he was the creator. He was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was the one who is there before all things and will be through all things. He was the one who is the great I Am, the one who steps in in the middle of situations that seem impossible, the Lord of all creation, greater than all the storms of life, bringer of salvation. In the middle of our storm, in the times of our journey where life is rough and there isn't a clear way out, where we might not even be sure that God even exists, at the midnight hour when all hope is lost, the great I am steps in to bring salvation. For some of you, this may be where you're at on your journey with Jesus. the first part we said, you may be in the middle of the ocean in a storm in a boat with no Jesus. That may be where you were at. You may be here this morning where you're in the storm in the boat in the middle of the night, and here's Jesus walking up. And you recognize that he's there, and you appreciate the comfort he brings, but that's as far as maybe it's gone so far for you. Maybe you recognize, hey, he's off the boat. I see he's told me he's there. I understand that he's brought salvation. I get that, but he's kind of there, and I'm kind of here, and I'm not quite willing to go any further than that. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just a step to take. That's a step we all have to take. It's an important step on the journey of faith, but it's not the end. We don't leave it there. We shouldn't leave it there. We don't have to leave it there. It's simply the beginning of that next phase, which is here. Because what I find interesting in this narrative is that Jesus comes close but doesn't come all the way. He stands a little off. He doesn't immediately calm the storm either. He doesn't walk up and say, hey, don't be afraid. Boom, quiet. The storm's still raging. The boat's still shaking. The dark is still present. He's there, standing off, waiting for what happens next. Let's look at verse 28 together. 28 through 33, it says, And Peter answered him. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, if you've been here for a little bit of time, we went over the, just the, the apostles, the disciples, we went over Peter, and you may remember that he was known as the bold one. He was the rash one. He was the one who was quick to speak, quick to do things without really thinking it too far ahead. So it fits the profile that he would do something that most of us would consider stupid, Right? most of us would consider dumb. Who in the world would want to get out of a boat in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night? Who'd want to step out of that? But Peter did. So I found myself thinking as I was reading this, I get that Peter doesn't think things through. You can read that. I understand that. But why in the world would he get out of the boat? Why? Why would he get out? Just stay in the boat. Jesus is right there. Surely he's going to walk the other 10 feet and come in the boat and it'll be okay. Why get out of the boat? And I was thinking through that. And I was doing some research and I was pondering and I was praying. I was like, what what are you doing, Peter? But it doesn't make any sense because I thought I had a pretty good question, right? I think that makes sense. And as I was pondering it, the answer came in the form of another question. My question was, why why did Peter get out of the boat? Why did he ask to even get out of the boat? What came back to me was, why didn't the other 11? Why was Peter the only one willing to jump out? What were the other 11 doing? Peter's gotten a pretty bad rap over the years, right? Because Jesus chastised him. Jesus says, oh, you a little faith. And we always focus on that. We said, man, Peter, you got out of the boat. You were doing good and you screwed up, right? We always focus on the, the doubt that Peter has in that moment. But if Peter had a little faith, the other 11 had none. They weren't even willing to get out. They weren't even willing to drop a leg over the side, saying, all right, Jesus, maybe I'll cut. You ever done that? You ever climb like a high dive, and you get up to the top, and you're on the edge, and you're like, no, I'm good. And then you turn around, and you go back, right? I don't even get up, all right? I'm down at the bottom saying, no, I'm good. I I don't even get up there, right? I can imagine the other 11 in the boat saying, what did you just say, Peter? Are you crazy? Do you see what's going on around you? Why would you get out of the boat? If he had a little faith, they had none. So I would give Peter a bad rap. Let's focus on the other 11 for a minute, right? Why didn't they get out? The storm was still raging, and Peter asked Jesus to do the impossible. What I love was, and we'll get back to this in just a second, but that Jesus didn't say no. Right? Jesus could have said, uh, no. <laughs> no, you big dummy. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to get out of here and you're going to fall flat on your face, right? And everybody's going to make fun of you and call and say you have a little faith and everybody's going to just be all over you for years and years and years and never going to let you live it down. It's going to be horrible. Just stay where you're at. We'll spare you the embarrassment, right?" Even though he knew Peter was going to fail, he still says, "Come. Get out of the boat." Go into the deep. Church, as I was sitting there that day, this past Thursday at my desk looking at the dead fly before I cleaned it up, God called me to call us this year, this morning, to leave the boat. Life's too short. Why are we waiting in the boat? Why are we there? Why are we not willing to step out into the deep? The storms of life are going to still rage, whether you're in the boat or out. But are we going to be bold enough this morning, this year, to step out and trust the one who controls the wind and the waves? Our natural inclination is going to be to stay. It is. The boat seems safe, right? It's familiar. It's comfortable. There's no reason to leave. It might be leaky. It might have some problems. We'll just throw some duct tape on it. We'll move on. It'll be okay, right? We might even make a whole another duct tape boat while we're in the boat so that we can float off when this one goes down, right? We'll do whatever it takes to make it last a little longer because it's got to be better than being in the water. And those things may be true for a while. But the journey starts in earnest when you step out of the boat, when you step out of the familiar and into the new. If you're bold enough to step out with Jesus, though, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you big time. It's not going to be pretty, right? It's not going to be easy. The storm still rages as it raged around Peter that night. And just like Peter, we're going to get distracted. We're going to get overwhelmed. We're going to get afraid. We're going to forget the one we're walking toward. We're going to forget that he's more powerful than the wind of the rain. We're going to step out of there. And at some point, we're going to focus more on the problem than the power that pulls us through. But we have to remember that those distractions are just that and nothing more. As we're walking through and walking out and stepping out into the waves, things are going to keep getting in between us and Jesus, and we got to be laser-focused on Him this morning and this year. You have to be. There are be things that are going to come up this year that seem innocent. They're going to seem worth doing. It's going to be like, man, this is a great thing. We need to step into this. We need to really move into this next uh, event, project, something to do. There's going to be tons of distractions that are going to come around, but the driving question that should drive all of us, each and every single one of us this year is, will it help me to know Jesus more, And will it help me to bring others to know him more? If those two questions are a no, why are you wasting your time doing it? If life is over like that, why are we wasting time on things that are unimportant? Don't let distractions drag you under. And don't be afraid to fail. Jesus knew that Peter would start and fail. And yet he called Peter out on the water anyway. Now, you may be saying, wait a minute, Pastor. Every morning, every Sunday, every time we get together, you're talking about how Jesus rescues us. He's a saving God. He comes to you. He's for you. He's not against you. Why would he let you fall on your face? Why would he let you sink under the waves? Why would he let you get out of the boat, come that far, and say, whoops, (laughs) right? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? One of the reasons I think he did it is because failure serves a purpose. Through it, we learn that when we start to sink, Jesus is faithful to pull us back up again. We begin to learn in deeper ways just who we're really following. When Jesus rescued Peter and got in the boat, he calmed the storm, and all the people there, the people who were too chicken to get out of the boat... And Peter, who had fallen on his face and nearly drowned out of the water, out of the boat, they all got back in the boat together. And when they all got in the boat together, what happened? They fell on their face. They've been following this man for a while now. They had seen him do some crazy things. But when they saw him walk on the water, when they saw him and heard him say, I am who I am, Fear not. When they saw him pick Peter up and rescue Peter, they fell on their face and they worshiped him. They moved from simply following, they moved from simply liking what he said, to checking everything at the door, to putting everything else down, to the knowledge that he alone was of ultimate worth and worthy to be worshiped as Lord. In control not only of the wind and the waves, but of their lives. So the call to us this morning, church, is let's be bold enough this morning to get out of the boat. Let's be bold enough to risk failure. Let's be bold enough to walk closer with Jesus this year than ever before, to truly see him as God, not in just in control of creation, but of us of you, of your family, of this church, is Lord above all. Now, our journey so far may have left some of us tired. You may show up this morning like, man, I know it's January 5th of 2020, but all of 2019 is still weighing on me from this past year. I don't know, I'm, I'm a little tired this morning. Some of us still may be carrying some depression from last year. Some of us may be just incredibly busy. Maybe distracted. Maybe hopeful. Maybe hopeful. Whatever your state of mind is today, though, the fact remains that the journey isn't over. If you're breathing this morning, then there's something left for you to accomplish. There's something this morning, this afternoon, this week, this year, this decade that God has planned for you, for your family, for this church, and it's up to us to walk forward in it. It's time to go into the deep. Will we get out of the boat and go into the deep this year? Now, for seekers this morning, if you're here this morning and you're maybe in that stage where you're in the middle of some crazy mess going on in your life, you're not even sure God exists, thank you for coming here. We love to be a place where people who don't know where they're at, they're just kind of we're just trying to figure things out. This is a great place to help figure it out. That's what we want to do. We want to help you where we can to help you figure it out to walk through that part of your journey together. If you're here and you're on that next stage of your journey where you're in the boat and you see Jesus over here, you kind of know who he is, but you're not quite ready to leave it all behind and get out of the boat, this morning may be an opportunity to do that. Our mission here at Faith, and I say it every week because we've got to ingrain it in your brain, we are on a mission. Just as Jesus was, so are we. We're not just coming here to, to do church We are here to be the church in this community day in and day out in the communities that surround us. And our mission here at Faith is to see everyone in this community transformed by the power of the good news of Jesus, to see heaven on earth here and now. And it starts with each and every one of us living that out. We believe that also happens, we can't even do it, until we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that He is the one who came to earth who lived a perfect, sinless life, who took our place, our sins, our failures, our mess on the cross and died the death that we deserve. He took all that on. He took that death on and was raised three days later to prove that death and hell, the grave has no power over him or for anyone who believes in him and follows him. We are granted life fulfilled now and life eternal with him. When we acknowledge, accept, believe, and follow him. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You can't do anything to get it. You just have to be bold enough to step out of the boat and go into the deep this morning. If that's you and you're ready to take that bold step, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. If not, we encourage you to continue to step in to this place to walk our journey with us. We're doing some crazy, awesome things in the community this year, super excited about doing. We want you to do it with us. Come hang out with us. Come work with us. Come serve with us. As we see to seek heaven on earth through incremental change, everything we can do to be, just bring Jesus to people, we want you to be a part of that too. We're not just about talking about it. We're about being about it. So we encourage you to step into that. Join us as we do that this year. Now for believers, most of us, two or three weeks back, wrote down our journey of faith last year. We posted it, we cut it up, we put it on this big door over here, and it's all, all there. Everything you put down is over there. What I'd like you to do this morning is I want you to take a minute before you leave, I want you to take a mental picture of what you've been through this past 2019. I want you to look at it, I want you to process it. You can't take it off the wall because we've got kind of like super glued it on there, but you can kind of look at it, and you can be like, okay, make a little mental snapshot. And I want you to take that home with you in your brain, right? And I want you to look it over. I want you to thank God for the year that he's given you. So many people say, oh, forget it, move on, forget the past, lean into the future. I don't want you to forget it. You went through that for a reason. Lean into that. God put you through it for a purpose and a plan. But after you have went through that and you processed it and you thank God for it, I want you to put it away and I don't want you to ask him this one question, what's next? What's next? take time to pray through and I want you to make some God goals this year. Not personal goals, not resolutions that you're going to break in two weeks anyway, but some God goals. Not where you want to be, but where does God want to take you this year? For some, that's going to mean some life-defining shifts. It's going to mean some big, big changes. For others, it's just going to simply be more faithful day by day, living out a life that looks more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Whatever it is, don't shy away from it. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make the most of your time now. And let's go into the deep together. Let's pray this morning.